summer. So I wanted to say something real quick before we start, and that is if you look at your bulletin, you will notice that there's an alternate Frisbee activity this Thursday that is canceled for this week. I'm sorry, I know Pat and Dave Musil were yet, and how many of you guys wanted to come and dominate again. But not this week. We get a reprieve. Sorry about that. So don't come to Davis Field. Nothing will be going on. I'm Pastor Anthony Lake Shamrock said, and you are at the Vine Campus of New Day Community Church. Welcome. And we are continuing the upward journey. What is the upward journey about? I'm glad you asked. We have a catchphrase and a verse, because we're church. Here we go. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Because of that verse, our catchphrase is beholding and becoming. I say it every week, but it bears repeating every week. We become like the company we keep, right? Amen. So your friends start to rub off on you for better or for worse. Your parents probably used to yell at you when you were younger about who you chose to hang out with, who you chose to associate with. That was for a reason. They will help dictate what kind of adult you become. Paul has the same mindset. He's saying, look, hang out with God. Will you please behold and become like God? Let his character rub off on you. So as we take this upward journey, as we learn about God and who God is and we dive into his character, let's not forget that that's supposed to influence our character. Amen? This isn't really an academic study about God. This is supposed to hit home right here. Sound good? Yeah. And all got people said, yeah, yeah. 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 Hey, excellent. That was good. All right. We are talking about things that God... Julie McKee, I didn't even see you really. What's up? We are talking about things God hates, and we are basing that off of Proverbs 6. Let's read the whole big verse. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. There are things... There are things. I'm trying to read off the screen in the very back of the room. There are six things, thank you very much, that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. It's pretty strong language that God hates these things. They're an abomination to Him. He does not like them at all. And we've been going through the list. And this week, we're going to talk about the fact that the Lord hates two things. A heart that devises wicked plans and feet that make haste to run to evil. And we're going to discover that there's a similar drive between these two things. And really, it just comes down to a matter of te technique and maybe personality. But God hates these things. Let's go into it. A heart that devises wicked plans. So let's cover some basics here. When we say heart, usually in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that doesn't refer to the beating organ in your chest. It can. But this is referring to your inner man, the mind, the will, the heart, the understanding. Something in the midst of something is the heart of something. So this is a core issue. So Proverbs 6 is saying, God hates someone whose core, the core of who you are, is devising wicked plans. That's at the center of your being. God loathes that. And when we say devises, this is kind of a neat little word. I was actually surprised by it. It means like to scratch, to engrave, or to fabricate. So imagine somebody like etching something out, you know, meticulously, tediously. You know, you're taking some time with this. You're fabricating a plan. So the core of your being is fabricating a plan for what? Wickedness. And when we say wicked, we mean wicked. <laughs> Trouble. Sorry, I'm not complicated. Some words really are what they mean. They're just on the surface. 
than that. So this is what God hates. He hates someone who is driven at their very core to meticulously devise. He doesn't hate someone. We're talking about an activity, right? I, let me back up. I backspace to leave if I could, but I can't. It's being recorded. He hates it when people devise things out of who they are for evil intent. So that's what we're talking about. The goal of this person is wickedness. They have an end in mind, and that is bad stuff. And this is a particular way of getting that end that God particularly abhors. And the Bible has a name, and so did Christopher Nolan, if you know who that is, props to you. The Bible also has a name for this type of person. This is a bad, bad person, okay? This is not a run-of-the-mill average Joe. This person is a schemer. Proverbs 24, 8. Whoever plots evil will be known as a schemer. Where have you heard this before? Schemers. Anybody ringing bells with the Christopher Nolan clue? Nobody ready for a dramatic atmosphere change? Yes. Oh. Yes. Get the kids out of here. Schemers. I think the Joker in the modern Batman films epitomizes this type of evil. He meticulously etches out wickedness. He wants wickedness. At one point in the movie, I was going to show the clip, but it was too creepy. Honestly, it just it was not, did not belong to anything. He likes chaos. He likes wickedness for wickedness' sake. He's hungry for it, and he doesn't have a problem coming up with elaborate plans to get it. He achieves his goal through scheming. We might want to say, yes, but this is an exception. Clearly, most people aren't like this. But we would be lying to ourselves and we said that this didn't reside somewhere in the dark, fallen nature of every single human being. Go back to Genesis. It doesn't take long after the first sin that God takes a gander at the world and says this. It's a pretty famous passage. Genesis 6, 5-6. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart, the core, in the midst of man, was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his core. It grieved God to his heart, that the heart of man had fallen so far that it craved evil and wickedness continually. And that word intention is a big one as well, right? That was the drive. Schemers. Schemers. Let's fast forward to Romans. Paul is describing fallen humanity, and he says, you know what? You craved bad stuff so intently and so long that God gave you up to those passions. And this is Paul describing, really, I think, all people, but, you know, this is particularly bad. Romans 1, 29 to 32. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, all kinds of badness. Evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless. Can't read that one because of the front. Ruthless, thank you very much. You guys are awesome. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. How could someone be so twisted? Because it's at the core of who they are, their heart. In the very midst of them is this desire, this craving for wickedness. 
And God hates it when people achieve that end by meticulously plotting it out. This is the kind of person, this is the kind of behavior that we're talking about. Does that seem icky? Can we agree that that's icky? This is difficult to redeem. So here's my question to all of us in this room. Are you schemers? If you look in the mirror, do you see that in yourself? I'm hoping, based on what I just said, that all of you will say no. Like, no, that's not me. Like, I've done some bad things in my life, but I'm not the joker. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but I'm going to say this. You should be. In fact, you better be. But not like this guy. Forget this guy. Okay, that kind of scheming is bad. I'm not saying we need to devise evil. I'm not saying we need to crave all this malice towards our fellow man. But I am saying that you have a creative capacity. What do you think causes this scheming? What do you think causes people to want to stay up and like carve out nasty, evil, bad plans? There's something inside them. A, they're capable of it, and B, they enjoy doing it. I'm going to make the case for you that that creative capacity that God put in you that can't be used for evil should, in fact, be used for good. Let's change this image because he's just gross. That, the room just like felt gray and nasty when did the joke of it. Everybody take a side release. Now I've got a picture of a Mormon. <laughs> Stephen Covey, he wrote the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Who's read that, by the way? Boy, I'll tell you what. Like, he was before all of the leadership and change your life books. He was kind of right at the cusp. It is gold, man. You should get it. You know, probably pick it up for like a buck at a garage sale, but it is worth your time. And this is a great quote from him. I'm going to read about this screen. All things are created twice. All things. Vision is the first creation. For a house, it's called the blueprint. For a life, it's called a mission. For the day, it's called a goal and a plan. For a parent, it's called a belief in the unseen potential of a child. And for all, it is the mental creation which always precedes the physical or second creation. Guys, this is how we can be schemers. We can have hearts that devise awesome plans. Let's turn it on its head. God hates evil schemers because it's contrary to his character. But he loves and wants to make sanctified schemers. <laughs> that is not the end of the cheesy wordplay for this message, so see. In fact, it's coming pretty quick. God wants us to be sanctified schemers. Check out these verses. Isaiah 32, 7 and 8. Isaiah is doing what the old school prophets did, right? And he's telling the nation where they messed up and how they can get right. Very simple job description, very hard life. But this is what he says in Isaiah 32, 7 to 8. As for the scoundrel, his devices are evil. He plans wicked schemes to ruin the poor with lying words, even when the plea of the needy is right. See, wickedness is his end goal, not justice, no matter what. But he who is noble plans noble things, and on noble things he stands. Amen. Some translations actually translate that word noble, generous. The generous man plans generous things. This is talking about a sanctified schemer. This is comparing and contrasting. God hates the people that are so bent on fulfilling this drive for wickedness that they're willing to run over even the poor and the needy, even when it's obvious the poor and the needy are right, just because they like scheming wicked stuff. But there's a type of person, a noble person, who devises noble things, and his life is built on it. Does that sound good? Yep. Here's another one. Hebrews 10.24, because occasionally I do like to use the New Testament. This is 
by Bible. <laughs> Who knows, it might be Paul writing, I'm really not sure. But the author of Hebrews says, let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds. This is an invitation to devise, to scheme, to stay up late at night, etching out a plan to spur each other on, to encourage. Man, I noticed that, you know, Grant or Keith or Darren or my mom or somebody, like, oh, they, they seem like they need a little encouragement. What can I do? What would just blow their socks off? Oh, i got to come up with a plan for that. That's a sanctified scheme. And I'm going to make the case that that is, in fact, the heart of God. We read some weird verses in the Bible, okay, that talk about foreknowledge and election and predestination. And theologians, I don't know if they ever actually come to blows over it, but like verbally, almost. I mean, it's, the conversation gets serious. They want to talk about things like, oh, this is, this is Calvinism, this is predestination. No, 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 we believe in free will, and blah, 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 blah. We're skipping that. We're soaring over that, okay? I just want to make one point looking down at 1 Peter 1, 18-20, because this is talking about the pre-selection, if you will, of Jesus Christ. Peter is trying to encourage a church that's facing real hardship. The church that Peter is writing to, their life is on the line, man. Their life's getting harder and harder. They need something to hold on to. And he gives them the reality of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And he says, don't forget that. Here it is, 1 Peter 1, 18-20. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold, I like that. It's not with trash like silver or gold. That you are redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Here's the key. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but he was redeemed, he was revealed in these last times for your sake. Think about what that means. You'll see this. You see this in Hebrews as well. His work was finished from the foundations of the world. Do you realize what he's saying there? Do you realize that God, whatever you believe about predestination, Calvinism, Armenianism, whatever, God looked into history and knew it's going to cost me big time if I want to keep these kids. And I'm willing. I'm willing. This means that God devised, schemed, if you will, a plan to save us. In other words, and what's coming up is an attempt to justify you. Be merciful. <laughs> Elohim had a scheme oh. to redeem <laughs> Justin, I got snaps. Justin, what do you think? I'm getting out. Thumbs up. Amen. He's a sanctified schemer, man. He's got a plan, and he had the plan ready before we even fumbled ball. Okay. Who wants to imitate that? Does that sound good? Way better than the Joker? Way better than someone who plots evil? Amen. Let's hit the second one. This is going to be a little bit quicker. But let's not forget these other people. The Lord hates not only a heart that devises wicked plans, but right on the heels of that, if you will, unintended feet. Thank you, Lindsay Sear. They make haste to run to evil. You know, feet that make haste to run to evil, this is not a schemer. This is an opportunist. Okay? This is a different strategy. This is, this is just a different way of going about it. The end goal is the same. Okay? The heart is still the same. Those verses I read about how there's something wrong at the core of man that wants wickedness, that wants evil. Our thoughts and intentions tend that way, just like gravity pulls things to the ground. It's irrefutable. 
Rabbi Zechariah says it's the most contended and yet most easily proven fact of the Christian religion, that people are fallen. There's something wrong with humanity. So the goal is still wickedness, that's still what we're going after. The wickedness craving heart is exactly the same, but the technique is different. These people are not like the Joker. These people are more like this. These people are more like sharks. Okay, because they're not thinking ahead, they're just cruising. Right? They're just cruising through life, you know? But they're cruising and they're hungry. Sharks will always eat. You know, I've never seen a Discovery Channel video where they're chumming, you know, throwing the guts and the stuff off the back of the boat, and the sharks are coming by, but they've just eaten, so they keep swimming. Never, ever happens. Shark Week is the biggest success that Discovery Channel has because they're always ready to attack and chomp on stuff. Always! So they're always hungry for wickedness. These feet that are swift to run to evil, they walk around craving hunger, craving wickedness like you might have a Mac attack, Big Mac attack, you know, like I just want it. If I come across a Big Mac, I'm eating it. They're <laughs> eager for opportunities for evil. Eager. So they're quick to swim towards blood and water. We've known people that this has characterized their life, probably, and maybe this has characterized their life from time to time. Or your plans change if you find out somebody just bought a 48-pack of beer, or a 24-pack. Suddenly, you're going that way. You know? You have five minutes alone that you didn't expect, and you have your cell phone. Are you going to look at inappropriate stuff? Because that's really what you've been craving all day. You weren't going to gamble and spend all your money until you happened to take a different way home and drive past the casino. The minute the opportunity shows up, you are so hungry that you cruise that way as fast as you can. Your feet are swift to go to wickedness. Maybe you didn't plot it out, but the minute you smell it, it's over there, I'm going that way as fast as I can. Does that make sense? This is still icky. God hates this because you're carrying around this latent desire to do nasty stuff. This is what the Bible says is the cause of sin. This is very uncomfortable. Let me go back. I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe I shouldn't show this slide because it's me. The Bible doesn't say, that big bad devil, I know he beats up on you all and makes you sin. It's really not fair. One day I'll, I'll save you from him. You poor little kids. That is not the biblical teaching on sin. This is the biblical teaching on sin. Mark 7, 21 to 23. For it is from, where? What's that word? Within. Oh, this is a great way to get you guys to respond. So I can be like, oh, I can't read it. It's so small. For it is from within. Out of a person's heart is like Pavlov. Out of a person's heart, the evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Let me ask a question. How can murder come from inside? Murder is an action, right? Murder is not like lust. Lust is in here. Murder is not like envy. Envy happens in here. But you have to do it inside. It's coming out. That's exactly right, Abby. You were hungry for that before the situation presented itself. And when the situation presented itself, your feet were swift to run that way. You're carrying around this hunger. Not just me. Everybody in this room, this is part of our fallenness that Jesus came to overcome and pound out. This is part of what it means when the old man is crucified. Okay? God is trying to remove the evil, nasty, wickedness, loving heart and give us a new one. This is even in the Old Testament. But a person that carries around this kind of hunger for evil 
will chase down the opportunity. But there's good news. I can't remember if the good news is on the next slide or not, so this is going to be an experiment for all of us. <laughs> Are you an opportunist? No, I'm not an opportunist. Well, you know what I'm going to do, right? Because I did it last time. You should be. You should all be opportunists. Because it's good to be opportunists in a redeemed sense. Don't cruise through life looking for wickedness. We can cruise through life a different way. Let's look at some fun pictures. Okay, what is this? That's the paralytic. It's the paralytic. I was trying to think of the person. Isn't that the person that's like dead and like comes to life? It's not the dead guy. It's the paralytic guy. Justin, Justin's right. So remember the story, right? This is the story from the Bible where we get the awesome thing. Like if he knows their reasoning within themselves, and we're all like, oh wow, how did you know that? And then he, he, everybody expects him to heal the guy, and he says, what? Your sins are forgiven. That's right. Then they're like, oh, this is crazy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus is like, well, just so you know, the Son of Man can do both. Zaps the guy, and he picks up his pallet and scoops out. Right? Yep. This is amazing. We got a bunch of really great teachings from this story. Do you know why this happened? Because Jesus was just sitting there, and they dropped a paralytic in his lap. This was not planned. This was an opportunity. Jesus was being an opportunist. I don't know what he was teaching about, but I'll tell you what. Plans change when the brick and mortar starts coming down and there's some lame dude, like literally. <laughs> and Jesus said, aha, an opportunity. And his feet were swift to go towards righteousness and goodness. Amen? Let's look at another one. What is this picture? The woman at the well. The woman at the well. That's exactly right. Oh, man. Those who worship God worship him, worship him in spirit. spirit and the truth. That's right. All so good. You know, a whole town got saved off of this encounter. He was there for several days in a Samaritan town. Man, the teachings and the sermons that come out of this, right? Oh, man, the revelation. We ponder that. We read the story in our devotion time and we're disturbed by it. Do you know why this happened? Jesus was sitting at a well and some woman came up. And he said, there's an opportunity here. I'm going to take it. Wow. How about this one? There's one more. This is a little harder. It looks for a good picture. What's this picture of? Yes. Jesus healing the blind man. This is the guy that turns into a superhero, right? And they drag him before the Sanhedrin. And he's like, I'll tell you what. I don't know much, but I know I was blind. And now I see. And he's like, totally awesome, tough guy. And they kick him out, right? And this is a great story. We love this story. And they're like, oh, we've never seen anything like this. A man born blind was healed. This happened because... Jesus was walking by the street, and some blind, blind guy was there. That's it. Jesus didn't plan this out. Tell you what, and the other miracles, think about it. The feeding of the 5,000. Jesus was trying to get away. And it says he looks up and he sees a bunch of people, and it occurs to him, hmm, this is an opportunity to feed some people. Be an opportunist. But don't be an opportunist for evil. Be a holy opportunist. Be a sanctified schemer. And be a holy opportunist. <laughs> Colossians 4 5 and Ephesians 5 15 to 16 tell us to do exactly this. Colossians 4 5 be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. That means everybody who doesn't know Jesus like you do. Be smart in the way you act around them, making the most of every opportunity. That's great. <laughs> Ephesians 5 15 to 16 be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. He doesn't mean actual chronological time. He means this is an evil world. 
And we need some radical people out there. We need some sanctified schoolers and we need some holy opportunists. Then when they see an opportunity to do good and change things, they're going to jump on it. They're not going to shrink back. The next verse up here, I believe, Ephesians 5, 17, starts out with, don't be foolish. Don't be wise. Take the opportunity. Don't be foolish not to. We need to be sanctified schemers and holy opportunists. So let me just recap. God hates it when we scheme to do evil and when we cruise through life so hungry for wickedness then we jump at the opportunity to sin. This is both of them put together. When that's your drive and your goal, when that's what you really, really want, you will either plan to get it or find opportunities. Man, they'll show up out of nowhere, probably all the time, more and more, faster and faster until you're ruined. God hates that. But our scheming and opportunistic tendencies should be harnessed for good. You have that creative capacity for a reason. And it's not evil. You have that drive towards spontaneous action for a reason. And it's not for evil. Use it for good. And if you do that, you won't wreak havoc like the Joker, and you won't leave bloody chum in your way like the sharks. You won't destroy people and things. What will actually happen is that you will mirror the heart of God and the strategy of God for the good not only of yourself, but also for the good of everyone around you. God hates hearts that devise wicked plans. Why? Because he has a heart that is devising good plans. He hates hearts that are swift to go to evil. Why? Because he was swift to do good. And he calls us to do the same thing. Thank you guys. I'm going to give you a shimmer on the closing.